0: On this episode of The Naturist Living Show, an interview with Morley Schloss.
1: This episode of The Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body. Free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca.
0: Welcome to this latest episode of the Nature's Living Show. My name is Stefan Deschaines. I'm your host for this show and this episode of the Nature's Living Show. And I'm also the owner of Bare Oaks Family Nature's Park. It's been a wonderful summer. We've uh, This summer has been uh, unusually hot. We've been setting all kinds of record temperature, uh, lots of sunshine, yet plenty of rain. Uh, but tend, uh, rain tends to be during the week or at night and not all the time, unlike the last two years. So everything's green, yet we don't feel like we're missing out on the heat and the sun this year. And I was at Bear Oaks and uh, in the middle of the week this week, and it was really, it was really a pleasure to just stroll around and see how things have grown. Uh, we've we've we're f- we've got about over four times, I think, uh, our membership from four years. We had over seven hundred uh new visitors this year alone and the year's not over yet and uh it was just it was great it was the middle of the week yet there was lots of people still around playing enjoying themselves kids were running around giggling laughing squealing uh there was a couple of women sitting around with a guitar playing some songs and singing Uh, people were in the lake people were in the pond people were on the deck having a drink and a chat and everybody everybody of course was very comfortable in their own skin and uh that that's really why i do this um i mean i'm hoping to turn it into a profitable business and it should be and uh, by the way i think that's very important naturist clubs uh resorts uh parks or whatever you want to call them need to be profitable businesses because if they're not then they won't survive they won't they will be relying on the good will of people who are dedicated but then when those people move on, um, there'll be nobody to continue the job. There'll be nobody to take over the business. There'll be nobody interested in starting new naturist businesses because it's not profitable. It should be profitable. There's no reason. That's the kind of world we live in where uh, things have to make a profit so that everyone can earn a living. I'm often asked, particularly when I'm doing media interviews, how I first got involved in naturism. And, you know, it's an interesting story, and I'll try not to make it too long of a story, but, um, you know, in the uh, early to mid-80s, I was uh, in high school and university, and we did a lot of skinny dipping. I mean, when I first discovered Skinny Dipping, I I just, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was always at night, of course. It tended to be in mixed company because we were a bunch of uh, high school kids and uh, we were doing it together after, you know, we were camping or at friends' cottages. And I always enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it enough that I became sort of the instigator. Um, I was always uh, the one going, let's go. And uh, people started teasing me that I was the nudist. But the real uh, watershed moment, I remember clearly, actually, Um, it was, uh, I was, uh, my girlfriend at the time, her name was Laura, and Laura and I were good friends with Margaret and Steve, and we were at their cottage, and uh, we decided to go to a uh, a lake that was very quiet and had a nice sandy beach, so we canoed our way over, and then we... uh, Hiked a little trail and we ended up on this private beach. We were the only ones there, and the lake basically had no cottages. It was a very private lake. And we'd brought a lunch and we were just enjoying ourselves, but you know, being the young, older teens or young adults, however you want to define us, uh, with uh, we were all heavy in the hormones. And uh, Steve and Marg were up on a rock necking. And so Laura and I were thought we'd see if we could get their attention. So for whatever reason, we whipped off our bathing suit and ran screaming into the water. And uh, so they looked at us and thought, oh, that must be the theme for the day. And so they did the same. And then something happened, which I didn't expect. Um, we spent the rest of the day in broad daylight without our bathing suits on. It was it was incredible. I mean, it was, I, I remember the feeling very well. I remember being amazed that how, you know, comfortable it was and how, well, obviously, how it's not sexual, but it wasn't sexual. It, but I, I can't say there was no sexuality. You know, we were, we were young and full of hormones, and we had girlfriends, and obviously, we uh there was an element of sexuality in everything that we did in our lives. But I don't think it was any more sexual, uh sexually charged than before we took the bathing suits off. That's just who we were at that age, and uh, but. In fact, I, I remember that it wasn't sexual, that suddenly I didn't feel like I was in some middle of uh, some playboy fantasy or something. It was just, it was very natural and very normal. And uh, we spent the rest of the day we were fishing. Steve and I chatted, sat around chatted. Uh, Laura and Mark sat around chatted. We had lunch. It was very normal and very comfortable. And that's a real watershed moment uh, because from that time is when I started looking into uh, Nature is, I'm trying to find out more. And you've got to remember that this was in the early, mid 80s. Um, There was no internet. Well, there was an internet, technically speaking. Uh, It was limited to scientists and uh, academics uh, in the military, of course. But to find information was much, much harder than today. I mean, I started looking. I looked in the library. There was very little. There was some very old information that was really out of date. I looked in the yellow pages and I couldn't find anything there either. Um, and strangely enough, it was actually through the internet. A friend of mine who's uh, uh, Richard is very, very into technology and was at a time, okay, a real propeller head. And uh, he connected me onto the internet for the first time. And I think that was in 87 or 88. First internet email address. And I found news groups. News groups predated the web. Before the web, there were news groups, there was email still, but there was no web. But on news groups, which still exist today, but unlike today, are not full of spam and ads for penis enlargements and things like that, um, they were serious about the topics. And there was one called Rec Nude. So I went on Rec Nude and I posted the question where do you go in Canada? And somebody responded with the mailing address for the Federation of Canadian Naturists. So I wrote them a letter, because <laughs> that's how we communicated at that time. There was no phone number. And I mailed it. And I don't know, a few weeks later, I got a letter back giving me the name and address of the clubs in the Toronto area. And uh, I still didn't do very much with that information at that point. I was very aware from reading magazines. Uh, I found, I had found h which yes, I will admit HNE is not the most uh perfect imagery for uh what naturism is about. It's a little on the uh girly mag angle. Uh there's no question. It always has been. it used to be worse actually. But it was a magazine that was readily accessible uh in stores, on the bookshelves, on the magazine racks albeit in the adult section. So it was a little embarrassing to purchase, but I bought those and I learned from that. But anyway, I knew from that that single men aren't always welcome, that it's difficult for single men to go. And uh, at one point I was single. Um, Laura and I broke up after a number of years. and I. Um, but I had a friend, Erica, and Erica and I used to uh, go out. When it was a really nice day, I'd call in sick. I hope my employer's not listening to that from way long ago but that's what I was doing when we saw good weather coming we'd call in sick and she was able to take a day off and we would go to a beach somewhere so one day I pulled up to Erica's house and she jumped in we planned to go out she always I always picked the beach for some reason and she said where are we going today so I said well uh, do you feel adventurous and she said sure what do you mean she said well do you want to go to a nude beach I said very nervously and she said, much to my surprise, she said, sure. So there I was. I didn't really expect a yes answer, but she said yes. So off we went. I had the directions. I was prepared, even if I didn't expect to be going. And so we drove up to uh, Glen, Echo, um, Glen Echo Park. And I was. Uh, we drove all the way up. I was very nervous the entire time. Very nervous. Um, didn't know what to expect. We got there. It was middle of the week, so there was almost nobody there, but it was a beautiful place. Sunny day, hot, because, of course, we only took those days off. Uh, beautiful lawns and forest and a lake, and, uh, but we checked in to the clubhouse. We, we registered, and we paid our fees. We got uh, a bit of a lecture, because that's what the owner intended to do at the time, and then we went and sat down on the lawn. And we both sat down fully clothed on our towels, And I'm sitting there going, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then Erica just goes, well, we didn't come here to keep our clothes on. Her clothes are off and she's laying down. And here I am, fully dressed man, sitting on a towel next to a fully nude woman laying in the sun. So I decided I better go for it. So I did. (laughs) And, you know, people always say that, you know, it's easier for men, but it obviously wasn't for me. And uh, but I did. And I was very comfortable. And uh, there was yet one big step, which was when I finally stood up to walk around and wow, what a feeling of both something breaking a very big social taboo and an incredible feeling of freedom. And uh, well, obviously, you can tell where that went from there, (laughs) Uh, pretty far away. So there are several people in my life uh, that are very responsible for who I am today, and I guess I should thank them for that because it's a a wonderful thing that we do, and I love, obviously, naturism. Um, I've invested a lot of time and money and and a lot of my life in being a naturist. But all that to tell you that also, uh, when I was doing a lot of research at that time, um, one name came up several times in a lot of articles and newspaper things that I read, and that was Morley Schloss, because it was also the time of Top Freedom, Morley uh, was uh, very involved in uh, naturism in New York State, which is not far from Toronto, and Rochester, actually, area, uh, upper New York State, which is very close to Ontario. And uh, he, uh, I had read several times about uh, how the group was uh, having swims in the basement of his house. He had actually built a, a small indoor pool in the basement of his house where they could gather in the winter. And uh, he was also involved with his wife in top-free issues. And in 1986, uh, they were having top-free picnics um, and they were arrested, which resulted in a uh, uh, key ruling by the courts in uh, 92 about uh, women having the right to be top-free in New York State. Um, And around that time, 91 was the uh, very famous case in Ontario where Gwen Jacobs was acquitted. Uh, for being top-free in Guelph, which uh, gave women in Ontario the right to be top-free and potentially in the rest of Canada as well. So, uh, But Morley's name was uh, tied to all these articles. Obviously, top-free is about women, and it's about equality, and it's not necessarily about naturism, but obviously the body acceptance issues and top-freedom are closely related. And uh, while Morley is a man, he was very involved, and uh, he uh, his name was uh, showing up in a lot of the articles. Um, because he was already a leader in the community. And um, as the line goes, Morley's famous because uh, he took his clothes off for the first time in 1969 at Woodstock and hasn't put them on since. And so what follows is my discussion with Morley Schloss. I I actually first heard your name probably back in the 80s. Um, I think you were having... There was something in a magazine or something that I read. You were having maybe swims in the basement of your house. Is that, is that right?
2: That's true. In uh, Rochester, New York, there's a group called Naturist Rochester. It's one of, one of or maybe the oldest, uh, non-landed clubs in the United States that is not associated with a beach. And I put in a swimming pool and a hot tub and a sauna in the basement to get through the uh, cold winters in Rochester and uh, it gradually evolved into a club open uh, at least a couple nights a week for uh, people in the area to come over and use. And we, it still exists and is still being used, although I'm not in Rochester very much because I live at Sunsport Gardens in Florida and in Rochester very little. But other people live in the house and keep it open.
0: And, and when did you start that, the Rochester Naturist? Well,
2: it would have been in the um, 1970s. I don't have a particular date because it evolved. It evolved from people just using it before it became a formal group. It it couldn't have been a chapter of the Nature Society until 1980 because the Nature Society didn't start till 1980.
0: Right. So how did you get involved in naturism?
2: Well, that's kind of interesting. My first experience was uh in august of 1969 and i like uh thousands and thousands of other people were at woodstock and it was muddy and rainy and i was there uh with a two-year-old and a one-month-old and uh anyway i needed to get clean and there was this pond behind the stage and there were people skinny dipping and i didn't have a bathing suit so i tried it I kind of was a little was a little scared but i tried it and uh it was such an incredible feeling that i uh feeling the uh, air and water and uh, sun over me all over me uh that i was hooked immediately uh went back to rochester new york where where i was living and um went to the library looked up nudist parks and started visiting them that was in 1969 in fact i'm not sure exactly which one i went to first i went to several but i did go to some in Canada, which is interesting because it was just across the border and back then it was easy to go back and forth across the border before passports and things and um, I went to Lily Valley in Fort Erie I went to um, TGS, uh, Glen Echo which unfortunately doesn't exist I guess now Uh, in Toronto, I went to Ponderosa I went to Four Seasons those are the Canadian ones but then I went to a Many in the United States as well. Uh, I went to, uh, you know, in Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York State, mostly to begin with. Uh, I mean, I can name them, but uh, you're probably more interested in the Canadian But I went to. Oh, there was another one I went to that in Canada that existed that doesn't anymore. It wasn't too far from Lily Valley, and I've forgotten the name. It was it was um Oh, Sun,
0: Sun Valley Gardens.
2: Sun Valley Garden, Joe. You know. uh, I also had an interesting experience that summer. Uh, it was quite a life-changing summer. I was in Toronto and saw the original production of Hair with its nude scene in Toronto. And also I went to another play in Toronto at the same time called uh, Dionysius in 69, which is I've never heard of since, but it was a play in a black box theater. Where you the audience sat around the stage and in the middle of it uh uh it was a classic battle between the dionysians and the uh and the conservative uh repressors uh and they got into a and the Dionysians invited the audience to come join them. and I got nude and went down and joined the cast who was getting nude and uh All of a sudden it turned into a kind of war with red paint being splattered around and I got covered and got to shower with the cast afterwards behind the, you know, after the play was over. Uh, So there are quite a few uh, interesting things that happened in in, in the first years. uh, Canada was very much, I was very much involved in Canada.
0: Interesting. So you were you were one of the uh, people that was actually at Woodstock, not just the one, ones who claim uh, uh, being at Woodstock. No, I was
2: really there, <laughs> although I haven't seen myself in the movie. Uh,
0: oh, I was going to ask you because there's a, there's a well-known scene in that uh, documentary about swimming nude in that pond, and I didn't know if you were one of the...
2: I didn't. I, I've seen the movie. I did not see myself.
0: <laughs> now, a lot of people went to Woodstock and were impacted by the music. You were impacted by swimming nude.
2: Yes, music too, but I mean, music was, I heard before, I me. Mean, it was pretty amazing music, but the thing that changed my life kind of was not the music, but it was just the experience there of uh, being nude with other people and uh, how great it felt.
0: Well, sure, that, that, I agree, because that would be a, if you've never done it before, the first time, that's a very uh, powerful emotional experience, because it's such a social taboo.
2: And, and what a place to do it, you know? Yes, but by the way, I do think you said we hadn't met. I think we had. I think you and I have met, but I'm not sure. I, I came up to a, uh, you know, I've been very active in the top free equality movement, and I, and there was a group that uh, Paul Rappaport was working with who were putting on a play north of his house and university. And as a women putting out a play on Top Free Equality, and I came up to see it, and I thought you were there.
0: Oh, I'm, I, think I, I think I was. Unfortunately, then, we didn't get much of a chance to chat.
2: We didn't talk very much, but I do think I met you there.
0: So speaking of Top Free, the first time that I really saw you in the news was in 1986 with the uh, Rochester Top Free 7.
2: Right I uh my my former wife was uh one of the people involved in fact uh, I wrote the drafts of uh the briefs in the lower courts uh, that was quite an experience uh and that was uh, that really changed things as well it took uh five different trials before we finally won in the, in New York's top court uh and the meetings were all at my house. There'd be women uh, riding their bicycles up top free to my porch, and we'd have planning meetings. And uh, we actually had top three picnics every single summer. Uh, there are only rests in two of the summers, though, 1986 and 1989. Um, but we did have picnics, the top free picnics, and parks in the area every year. And we did other things like going to uh, Santa Cruz Falls to the National Women's Hall of Fame, and um, uh, and at the top replay play there on the grounds of uh, on, on their grounds, in the National Women's Rights Museum, and um, at Elizabeth Cady Stanton's house there. So um, we've been. I, I was involved with that and uh, that was a that was a very exciting time and uh, and uh, we won I was also um interesting I was involved in some of the uh first Canadian things with Gwen Jacobs uh and uh, w- w- we went to Canada and, uh, and she came here and uh, we had be- we had a protest before the laws in Ontario changed, um, before women won there. And that was, uh, we had our, we all went to Fort Erie, and we walked across the Peace Bridge to Buffalo. And when we got to the center, we all took our shirts off with the flags in the center of the Peace Bridge and went and had a top three picnic in Buffalo. And before we returned and that was a kind of symbolic interesting uh an interesting thing we all went through customs and uh, united states customs top free with no problem
0: hmm, that's fantastic now why do you think you won in new york what was it uh, that made that a successful challenge
2: well we won because we put we did a lot of uh we put on a good case and of course it makes sense it's a You know, I believe it's a violation of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution to require women but not men to wear tops. It's gender discrimination, and of course it violates equal protection of the law. But we brought in, and this we couldn't have done unless we kind of, uh, my my wife was pro se. The other women had attorneys, but she represented herself, which I don't recommend unless you have an attorney next to you, but we did. Uh, and, but we, and we brought in all kind of expert witnesses. We brought in psychologists psychologist to put Barbie doll on the stand, uh, most popular toy that, uh, and show and talked about how she had unrealistic, uh, uh, dimensions that no woman could ha- could look like that without toppling over and, and presented a, uh, a, an image for an unattainable beauty ideal for, uh, for, 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 girls um we had a anthropologist from the margaret mead institute who talked about the importance of breastfeeding and requiring women to cover their breasts in public discourage breastfeeding even if breastfeeding was allowed and we uh even we blew up some pictures from the swimsuit edition of sports illustrated uh and made big posters out of them and they had the police come and you know those show the new york law read uh, you couldn't show any part of the uh, breast below the top of the areola Uh, and uh, of course all these swimsuits on the cover and inside of sports illustrated swimsuit edition did just that they showed lots of the breasts and uh we had the police officers who made the arrests on the stand and they said oh we wouldn't bother women like that well they then we read the law to them and they got all confused and muddled up and that helped so there are a lot of things we did we even had in the uh, first trial in 1986 when the women were being arrested one of the uh, television stations covered it (laughs) actually showed women's breasts being while the women were being arrested and they showed that on the six o'clock news We subpoenaed the uh, station manager. See, I'm not sure whether this was 1986 or 1989, but one of the trials. We subpoenaed the station manager, and we asked questions. Did you get any objections? No, we didn't get any. He answered that there were no letters objecting. There were no phone calls. uh, There wasn't one single objection to showing women's breasts on the news. And then, so, would you ever get objections? Yes, any time we have anything on gay rights or abortion or anything like that, they get letters or phone calls. So he said, but you, mean, but you didn't get any when they showed women's breasts. No, not a one. So that talked about it not being uh, disruptive to society uh, to show women's breasts. So all of those kind of things that we brought into it uh, made a difference, I think. We we had a trial where we actually got into sociological and anthropological uh, issues, um, psychological issues, um and we got that admitted into we got those admitted into the trial, so that that uh, helped to win. It was a it was a pretty exciting time. Also, also there were no complaints. I mean, there were, in the whole time, all the picnics we had, we never got a complaint. The police could not document one single complaint they'd received about any of the picnics we had in public park.
0: So you're you're uh, part of the NAC, the, the Nature's Action Committee, uh, the, the Nature Society. You know, I'm one, I
2: actually am the only founding member still on the Natureist Action Committee and the Natureist Education Foundation, on uh, the board of both of those, and uh, and that's uh, something that uh, is very important because it's the organization that uh, that best protects people's rights, uh, at least in the United States and Canada too. I and mean, we're working. Judy Williams is. One of our board members, and, uh, and I'm sure as all your listeners are aware, is very, very active in Canada.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as as NAC uh, founding board member of NAC, and as a member still of NAC, and as very involved in the Rochester Top Free Seven, what would you st- say? Twenty almost 25 years later, is the state of f- top free equality in New York and in the United States?
2: Well, in New York, it's still there, and uh, women aren't using it very much, occasionally. You know, I will see women uh, on a beach top-free around Rochester and other places, or I've been to Central Park in New York and seen women top-free, but it's not real common. I've even been shopping on a on, on a Rochester street with women who were top-free, and, and we went into a swimming pool, a municipal swimming pool, a couple of years ago in in Rochester uh, would, you know, women were top free, but I'd say it's unusual. I mean, you don't see a lot of women top free in public areas still in New York, but they can be, which is important. The whole idea is it's women's choice, not trying to get women to be top free. It's We're talking about the the right to be top free. So... (laughs) That's there, but it's uh, in other areas, it's spreading rapidly, too. I, I now live in Florida, where I own Sunsport Gardens, which is a nature resort uh, with very similar values to Bear Oaks, and, uh, and all of Miami-Dade County, all the beaches are top-free for women, and the beaches in Monroe County, which is the Florida Keys, are top-free for women, and a lot of places, women aren't just being are not being hassled for being top free. Uh, there's a popular misconception that it's illegal everywhere. It isn't. Uh, most states in the United States, it's not illegal to be, for women to be top free. Although it can be in certain counties or cities or towns, and you don't know where it's illegal and where it isn't. Except in New York State, where uh, there's a court decision, which. Uh, so that no, so that no town or county can pass an ordinance requiring women to wear shirts, but but it's It's becoming more and more common and accepted. Uh, I, I believe um, it's a gradual process. We have a long way to go before we get to where Europe is.
0: The problem is, of course, uh, social pressure is far more powerful than the law, and we, uh, with the Naturist Festival, uh, this was, uh, last few years, it's been held at Bear Oaks, we always, we get a bus and we drive uh, it nude on the bus down to uh, Hanlon's Point, which is a, uh, the official nude beach in Toronto, and... Uh, On the way back, some women decided uh, we we stay on the bus on the ferry because then we are not nude in public, but some women decided to wrap a towel around their waist and travel on the ferry top free. And while nobody hassled them, the looks of disapproval or the leering they got was very discouraging to them. That's too
2: bad. Uh, I haven't experienced that when I've been with top free women, say, in Rochester. um, They're kind of empowered, and uh, the only only reactions I've really noticed are occasional thumbs-up signs with people passing by, but it's almost like... uh, I think people do notice them and pretend not to, but I haven't seen any, uh, like, leering or negative comments or that kind of thing in my experience, but... You know, I suppose it depends on the location and time and things like that.
0: So for about 30 years now, you've been fighting for uh, naturist rights, and but th- that doesn't pay the bills, at least not until you uh, maybe end up owning a naturist park. So what did you do? How did you support yourself for all those years?
2: Well, I was a teacher and school administrator in Rochester, New York, until I retired about 13 years ago.
0: You weren't worried about your career? No.
2: It didn't have anything to do with, uh, you know, uh, I think that's another popular misconception that people are going to get fired from their jobs because they're naturists. Uh, The recent polls, of course, it's the most recent one in 2006. There's a Roper poll that the Naturist Education Foundation uh, uh, had done. Uh, 74% of the people in the United States think it's perfectly okay to be Skinny dipping or nude, socially nude in appropriate places. 50% think the government should actually set up such places, and 25% have been uh, skinny dipping in mixed company themselves and admitted to it, and that's more people that have been bowling. So it's something that is generally accepted. I don't know people who lost their jobs over it, although people think they will. I don't know people who've lost any friends over it. People think they will. Uh, and I think sometimes we're our own worst enemies by, uh, by by trying to hide the fact instead of being completely open. I uh, When I worked for the city school district, when I worked at central office downtown, uh, and I was doing a press conference on, on, on nudity, or on peace activities because I was very active in anti-war activities as well. Um, their only requirement was that I step a few feet away from the front of the building so I didn't have the city school district office in the background if I was doing an interview. But they had no objection to me doing it, and occasionally, you know, I get the one time where... And I was on the same newscast twice, one talking about city school district affairs because I was in charge of student placement, putting kids in magnet schools, desegregation and so on. And on the same night, I was on a, some kind of naturist topic. And, and no problem. Uh, I never got a pro- I never had any problem. Occasionally, I'd get a call at work asking about naturist things, and, I said, and I'd give my home number and say, but I can't talk now, but please call me at home after work. But I, I know I didn't never had any uh, negative things. In fact, during the top three, th- in 1986, I was on the Phil Donahue show, which was a wonderful talk show, better than most of them today. And, um, and I was on during the week before school started when teachers have their all their in-service. Uh, they come in for in-service before the kids come. And pretty much the whole school district stopped to watch me on Donahue for that hour. It certainly isn't anything. You know, I think and that's true not just in nature things, but in most things. We manifest acceptance or we manifest problems. And if we are completely open and know what we're and are proud of what we're doing, it's not gonna cause a problem if we are hide it is. I mean I, I hike uh, nude in in the uh, in national forests and things and in and, and in the woods and I and, and I've met rangers, and I say, hi, nice day, and walk on. Uh, well, so, well, if I were, went and quickly tried to throw clothes on and hid behind a tree, they'd think something was wrong or I was going to hide, and I might be hassled. So, you know, I've done that even where, even where it was against the law. And, I, and I'm not running into problems if I'm in a remote area, because most of the rangers are probably skinny divers themselves. And I would guess the th- same thing is true anywhere. I don't think that's the United States phenomenon. I think that's probably true in Canada as well. If you you get what you expect, and if you expect to be that you're doing something you're proud of and talk to your friends and neighbors and family about it, there's not going to be a problem. And they may be curious. They might even disapprove, but they're not going to not going lose friends over it. And uh, but then it's a good chance to be curious and ask more about it. It it you know I know a lot of people who thought, "Oh, I could not tell my parents, I could not tell this person or that person." Well, when they do, there's no problem even though they thought there would be. So that uh, that's one of the things I feel very strongly about is that people really need to be open with everyone instead of just i'm going camping on the weekend i say i 'm going to bear oaks for the weekend it's i 'm going to bear Oaks to dodas park. you want to come along
0: yeah i I totally agree with you because i i 've always said to people that you know i 've been telling people forever and i 've never had anybody uh Tell, think that anything bad about it. They, it's not for them, they could never do it, they don't, you know, uh, th- there's all kinds of things. Now, maybe they're too polite, I don't know, but I've never had anybody say, oh, you're a pervert or anything, because I I say it with pride, and I say it without... Because they know you already, they know who yeah. you are, they're not going to... They know I'm a reasonable guy. Know, so they're not going to change their opinion of
2: you suddenly, because you like to skinny dip or be nude.
0: But if people find out after knowing you for 10 years that all this time you've been secretly going to a naturist park, they're going to suspect something's wrong. And I think that's the mistake people make.
2: And that's one of the big, you know, another thing I feel very strongly about is when you're raising children, uh, I would never, I never told my children, don't tell anyone. Uh, or anything like that, uh, because then or, or, uh, I don't want children to think there's something wrong with it. I think ch- children need to be grow up feeling comfortable with their bodies and with themselves, and uh, there's no better way to do that uh, than in a nature of situation where they can see the wide diversity of people and how people change with age and all of that, uh, which... Uh, many children don't have a clue about. So it's really important growing up for people to see that and for kids to not get the message that there's something to hide, that there's something wrong. So I recommend to parents, and I run workshops on this at festivals and things, that any parent who has someone who's a uh, in, in a nursery school, in a preschool, or in, in, first, in primary school, first, second, or third grade, that you... Before, before your child goes into class, let the teacher know, let the principal of the school know, the school counselor, that your nature is. And yeah, when the ki- parent, when the teacher asks the kids what they did this weekend, they may say they went to nudist park or draw pictures of nude people, and you know that's okay. And then there won't be a problem if the if the school is forewarned. But I'd rather do that than tell the kids don't do it.
0: So now. Uh, many years later, you've made the ultimate commitment, I guess, and you've bought into a nature's park, Sunsport Gardens. How did that happen?
2: Well, I've been, I've been going to nudist parks for, since 1969. I think I've been to 60 or 70 different ones, and my favorite had been Sunsport Gardens, although I saw some problems with it, but it was really the ideal climate year-round. It's in the area of Florida that's... Uh, it's ten degrees warmer in winter than the Tampa and Orlando area, and ten degrees cooler in summer than the Tampa and Orlando area. Very nice year-round, and uh, it had a very relaxed atmosphere. They never discriminated. They never uh, had quotas for single men or anything like that. It opened in just a relaxed, very natural place, with, without a lot of concrete. Uh, so, yeah, with a philosophy of keeping it natural well the man who'd uh founded it hugo forster died in 2001 i put together some people and and uh we bid on it and won and bought it then and uh and uh it's something i kind of wanted to do and uh although I hadn't really thought seriously about it until the occasion arose in 2001. And at that time, we made some changes. Uh, It's kind of nice to be in a position where you could have your values actually come to life. Uh, We cut out smoking in the buildings, and now, by the way, Sun Sports. uh, in in the last few months, we've... Sunsport's 100% smoke-free, except for designated smoking areas. So the whole place is smoke-free now. We started offering healthy food in the restaurant. We cut out, we, we eliminated some uh, serving of alcohol that was done, being done illegally. Uh, and we, we intentionally don't have a bar because that kind of changes the atmosphere of a club. So it's very family-oriented and very... Uh, much in nature's values as I see them. We're ecologically sensitive. Our pool, swimming pool and hot tub and showers are the primary heat is solar and we add uh, salt and we ozonate our, to our pool to cut down on need for chlorine and we ozonate it as well uh, which is an environmentally sound way to do it and and recycle and all that kind so we're ecologically sensitive We leave the grass long around our pond so that animals, birds can nest and otters. Uh, So we keep it natural. We don't have any activities going on that are not appropriate for children. We have healthy food in the restaurant and healthy environment throughout the place. And uh, those are kind of values uh, that are naturist values, I think, or at least... uh, kind of value shared by my mentor, who was Lee Baxendal, who was founder of Nature Society, who I meant a lot to me. Uh, and so we actually are living those values and have a club that stresses ecology, uh, stresses being natural, stresses offering healthful alternatives, and is very family-friendly. In fact, we run a children's camp every summer in July where we have kids from all over uh, uh, flying in because it's a very unique children's camp, stressing uh, having fun and body acceptance and so on.
0: So now that you're a nature's uh, club owner, of course, you're fabulously wealthy and raking in the big bucks. No, 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 there's nothing.
2: We don't make, I don't make any money on I don't get any dividends. Uh, uh, I don't get any pay. I don't know. I pay for my lot the same as everybody else pays for their lots. I don't make one penny on it. I just, uh, I just, uh, and being able to live in a wonderful place and the lifestyle I love, and uh, and, and and having an influence on the values and the way the clubs operated. But no, we don't. I don't make one penny on it. My, I'm, I'm living on retirement income and things.
0: Well, I mean, I, I was, I was, I was kind of joking with you because you know me. <laughs> You know, people think they can make
2: money on nudist parks, but no one does uh, uh unless uh, some people try by putting in bars and 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 doing real estate. The only way clubs have really make money is is by selling real estate and uh, and by promoting a lot of drinking. And
0: and even even those get in trouble. Yeah, well, I'm not. Uh, I, my 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 objective is, and I was uh, I was interviewing uh, Ted Hadley uh, over at uh, Cypress Cove, and uh, you know I was saying, you know, we, we should not apologize for making money. Um, and I my my objective is to become uh, profitable. In a, even considering the investments that had to be made to purchase the land at Bear Oaks, because if we can't do that, then we'll never have the growth of naturism. And I want to prove that you can do that without having the bars.
2: Well, I think you can, Stefan. I think mean, you're right. I think you can. Uh, I personally am not making any money because that's, on it, because that's my choice. But Sunsport does not have a lot of debt. The only debt are loans from me, and, um, there's, and we're able to make improvements. We just put in a new hot tub. We just resurfaced our tennis courts. Uh, we're, we keep the place in very good shape and we make enough money to do that. We're we're not in any financial difficulty. And, uh, and I suppose I could make uh, a small amount of money on it if I wanted to, but the objective, our objective, is a little. You know, I, I agree with Ted Hadley, and and that and it's nice to have it a money-making thing. But and SunSport is a money; it does make money, and it, we make enough to pay all our taxes, and we, without any problem, we make enough to improve and keep making improvements without any problem, and we do it without borrowing money or going into debt.
0: What do you believe is, you've used the words nudist and naturist interchangeably, and I think that's because you realize that's more of a cultural term. Europe saying naturist and Americans saying nudist. But what do you think, what is it for you? What does it mean to be a naturist? Uh, what do you, what values do you want to see in a naturist club?
2: Well, I, well, I've kind of talked about that already, but I actually when I'm being careful with my words, I kind of think of naturist as nudist with more nudists can you know take off your clothes but for me that term "naturist" means implies being close to nature being part of uh, feeling uh, part of nature and 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 having it integral which would be ecology and 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 when I say nudity with more I mean things like ecology uh, healthful living being family-friendly Diversity and not without discrimination against people. And those are the kind of things that, uh, at least the way I use naturist uh, when I'm being careful, uh, those are the kind of things that, that I would throw in to that term of naturism.
0: And my my big uh, crusade has, has become, not intentionally, but because it's caused so much reaction, uh, my opinion is that uh, clothing optional has been a failure in terms of naturism, in terms of getting more acceptance. Um, but w- what do you think? Well, I agree with you. Uh, uh, I think
2: we're... Well, you know, I, I, I have mixed feelings. Uh, clothing optional beaches are wonderful. Um and so sometimes there's a word for that. You're certainly going to sell uh, the term better to government authorities talking about a beach being clothing optional rather than being nudity required, um, I think. So there's certainly political things there. But but I uh, want my club to reuse the term naturist. We do not use clothing optional because we require... Uh, People to be nude around the pool and hot tub and sauna in that area all the time. We encourage people to be nude other places as well, uh, and so we we're, we're we do not want people coming and uh, staring. We want people to come and participate. So we use the we use the term nature It's not clothing optional. Um, we've had a lot of discussion about that and. You can't require in a club people to be nude 100 percent of the time on the whole grounds. I don't think because people get dressed to go to work and people let sometimes the weather's cooler and and for one reason or another they're doing working on something that could be dangerous if you're not only have protection. So, but but I think you are saying nudity is expected all over, and you can require nudity in certain areas where it's not an option at all. And at least that's how I've gone with
0: it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, the the big challenge I had is, that, you know, I I can't say that nudity is is obligatory because it isn't always. Um, I don't want, but I don't want to say it's optional, meaning that if you don't feel like it be, for whatever reason, it is a million reasons people tell you, you right. can just stay dressed and watch everybody else. And, yeah, and that's
2: that's exactly where I am. We're at exactly at the same point with that, and that's why. I, You and I use the term naturist and not clothing optional. I think it's more honest, and that's what we ought to say, although, in fact, there are areas, there are clubs, and there are times when people wear clothing. I know our summer camp, we run for children, both the counselors and the kids. It's nude all eight days of the camp, 100% of the time. It's in July, so there's no problem with being cold ever. And it's required, complete nudity, children, counselors, everybody anybody else around, no matter where they are on the ground. And, um, that helps a lot too, because that, uh, they get comfortable with that real quickly. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's, uh, I, I think it is important. You know, I think we're, as you say, I think we're very similar and same philosophy. And, and uh, so, and one other thing I wanted to say is that, it, is that I think you, you have no problem with this either. People complain a lot about uh, getting young adults into clubs and, oh, they don't come. Well, that's, I think that's mostly because clubs are not really accepting of them no matter what they say. We have no problem. We have lots of young people living at Sunsport. We have our ground fees are only $6 for anyone under 30 who's a member of the Nature Society or Florida Young Naturists or, um, or, or as a student. And, in fact, uh, in early August, we had about 150 young people, ages 18 to 30, who had come for a bash. They call it a bash, but it's kind of like a, a well-behaved party. Uh, and this, that was the fourth one we've... Posted, and uh, so we get lots of young people in living there and living at Sunsport and visiting, and it all has to do with the attitude of, uh, of letting them stay up at night and not require not closing everything down at eleven o'clock or midnight because their hours are different, you know their natural time clocks are different, and charging rates that they can afford, and uh, having all the facility, having all the facilities open to children. We even, uh, in our swimming pool, even uh, if kids know how to swim, they probably swim better than their their parents, and we don't require their parents with them as, as long as the parents say it's okay. So we, you know, we're open for young people and children all over the whole place.
0: Well, that's it once again for this episode of The Nature's Living Show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening, as always. This was episode number 22, and I'm very happy to announce that we've had over 70,000 downloads of the show. That means the show has been listened to over 70,000 times. Those aren't just hits or page reviews. Those are full downloads of episodes. So I, I thank you for your interest. I thank you for listening. This was episode 22, but all the other episodes are always available. And as I watch the stats, I see that people are always catching up and listening to the old shows, and that's great, because unlike radio, these shows are available forever. So if you uh, are interested, you can find everything, uh, past episodes and uh, show notes at the website, which is at naturistliving.bearoaks.ca. That's C-A for Canada, because we are in Canada. Also, please keep sending in your comments and suggestions. I I do appreciate getting them, and uh They certainly give me ideas for shows And it it certainly keeps me going It is the reason that I do this show Because of you, our listeners um, That enjoy the show and tell me And encourage me to keep doing it So thank you for that So if you want to send us emails The show's email address is naturistliving At bareoaks.ca That's B-A-R-E of course bareoaks.ca So join us again in about a month For the next episode of The Naturist Living Show.
1: This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca.